The Grappling Hour is brought to you by No Gi BJJ Gear. Use the promotional code GRAPPLINGHOUR15 to save 15% off of whatever you put in your cart. And Dodgy Collected. Dodgy Collected. Creating jiu-jitsu gear for those who love to train after a hard day's work and for those who live the jiu-jitsu lifestyle from their mom's couch. That's actually what it says. I'm reading it verbatim. Anyway, go buy from them. What's up, everybody? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Rafa Sparza, coming to you with another installment of Grappling Hour. So glad that you could join us. Before we get to our guests, a couple quick little housekeeping items. First and foremost, give some love to our friends over at NogiBJJGear.com. Use the promotional code GRAPPLINGHOUR15 to save, I don't know, 15% off of whatever you put in your carts. Plus, give some love to our friends over at Dodgy Collective. They have some amazing artwork amazing rash guards, spats, shorts, you name it. Just look at it. Go there. And if you don't like it, send your hate mail to InsideBJJ.com. They'll take care of it. I think they have a whole system of people that read through those things. Anyway, I guess they just need feedback. They would love it if somebody would to talk to them, and that would be great. All right. Our guest today. First, we are starting off with a friend of the show. Now, this person has gained some notoriety over with the Submission Underground folks, and with good reason. He's become a little bit of a signature star for them, beating not only Craig Jones, but recently Vinny Mangalesh, and just this weekend picked up both a gold and I believe a silver? We'll have to double check with him. Over at the Pan Ams, and is mysteriously still not a black belt. It's weird. So why don't we go ahead and talk to our friend, Mason Fowler. All right, ladies and gents, you know my first guest today as somebody who continues to do well in Submission Underground. More importantly, he's your champ champ now. I don't know if he inherited Vinny's title. I really don't know how that went. I just know that they said there's a championship versus championship. No one knows. But he also had an excellent performance over at the Pan Ams over this weekend. And, uh, you know, I mean... Those things are cool, but he had a mustache. Like, that really was, like, the most important thing I think he's done in the past two months. And we'll ask him about that mustache and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show our friend, your friend, one, Mason Fowler. Mason, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Rob. Thanks for having me. Ah, It's good to see you back, man. All right, let's get straight to it. Let's address this issue. The issue that I'm bringing up here is this mustache. It's powerful, Yet, it also probably came with a series of jokes. Were you made fun of for having this mustache? No, not at all. Uh, I actually got pretty much like 99% good, good feedback on it. People liked it. I mean, it's not that it's you can't pull it off. It's just that you look like a drug dealer here. And you also kind of look yeah. like you might have gone into porn at some point or you know, some other nefarious sort of dealings, like you might be an evil twin here. None of those things ever crossed your mind? 
Uh, no, <laughs> I just did it. I did it as a joke, and then it just kind of stuck. I mean, honestly, I was kind of into it. I thought you rocked it pretty well, and I was afraid that when you shaved it off in between, uh, you know, submission underground to pans, I was really nervous about your pans uh, odds, to say the least. Yeah, everyone was telling me I would have got double gold if I would have kept the stash. <laughs> I almost put that in your comment section, but I also didn't want to rain on your parade because, hey, uh, a gold and a silver is not that bad. But let's start in chronological order. Let's go back a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the Submission Underground experience because if there's ever a way to make a statement, it's defending a title. And I really, really was glad that you were able to do that against Vinny. So talk us through that match, man. Uh, yeah, so I, I actually was surprised because he stayed on the feet the whole time. And um, me and Kyle both, when we were game planning, we thought that he was maybe going to try to do some kind of flying submission. Um, and then if not, like if he didn't hit that, he was going to try to play guard and attack my legs. Kind of similar to Craig. He has He has kind of a similar game, I guess you could say, as Craig. Um, so yeah, every minute that went by in the match that, it, you know, we were on the feet, I felt like it was favoring me because, um, I, I wrestle on a consistent basis and, um, I think I'm, I'm really good at, at hand fighting and wearing guys out. And you saw that too. in, in the, um, in the first 10 K tournament, I was hand fighting a lot and wearing guys out. And I think with that format, with that rule set, um, I think if you could just kind of tire the tire the guy out and hang on him for for the <clears throat> the regulation and kind of bully him and shove him in the cage and uh, put your head in his chest, that it'll be a lot easier to to control them and escape them in the overtime rounds. So yeah, the mat. I mean, to me, it was it was perfect. Tire him out and then um, beat him on escape time and the end. He did. He almost had me uh, with the arm in that second overtime. He had my arm fully extended. It was, it was close. It was at the point where I was thinking, like, man, this might be it. <laughs> but luckily, I was able to get out. It was an impressive showing, but I was also really happy that you were able to instigate a good use of uh, the cage. Like you had really good angles that you were cutting with your wrestling and that cage positioning. I think was something that uh, demonstrated a really, really solid game plan. So credit to you and your team on that. Yeah, and um, uh, honestly, that, that wasn't our, our game plan for that match, but that's just how the match ended up unfolding, and I think it worked in my favor. And uh, honestly, I feel that if, if there was some kind of point system in place, I do feel I would have been able to take him down. I just didn't want to – I didn't want to commit to the takedown and – have him uh, maybe like attack a Kimura or attack my neck and put myself in unnecessary danger. It's also respect to how crafty he is. He is a person who makes things exactly. very quickly uh, go south. So it's, it's very fun when I see people comment on what they would do with Vinny. And I'm like, well, first of all, there was a size difference. Did you feel that at all? Yeah, definitely. There was a couple times when, when he collar tied me. And I just felt, I was like, wow, like, felt like, I mean, his forearms and his hand were just so big when he was collar tying me. It felt, yeah, it felt, I mean, definitely could tell that I was wrestling with a heavyweight.
I don't think that you're a small human being. Like when I, I'm next to you, I don't feel like, oh man, look at this guy, he's small. But just from appearance wise on how it looked like on our screen when we did the fight companion, it looked like you were facing Super Shredder. Like it looked like somebody who would just like gulp up and like do just from the physical space looked a little bit bigger than you and, and uh, from the angle that we were seeing it on the TV. So that's why it just seemed, uh, all right, you're going to be giving up some weight and a, a little bit there, so you're going to have to even it out. What do you attribute to the best equalizer? Like what was helping you the most maybe in your training camp or to prepare for that uh, sort of simulated uh, giantness of one Vinny? Um, definitely just the, the extra wrestling I was getting, and I do have a really good guy. Um, his name is Danny Danny Shea. Um, he's like 235, 240. He's a D1, D1 wrestler. I think he was, he might've been an all American. Um, and I got some, some good wrestling with him and he's the same size as Vinny, but a really accomplished wrestler. So, um, I was able to work with, with him. And then, I mean, I had, I trained with Yuri all the time and Yuri fluctuates. He, I mean, when he was in ADCC, when he did plus 99, he was, I think close to 240. Um, and I have another training partner too, Dennis, that's about 260. That's a black belt under Kyle. And he's also um, a high level wrestler too. So I, I have big guys to work with. I think it would have been a problem if Vinny was the first like big guy that I ever felt, but um, I, I had experienced it already in the training room. And uh, so I, I felt like I was prepared for it. I had a moment where I was about to say on the broadcast, well, you know, he does train with Yuri, and I might have said something to that effect, but then I remembered like the last shots I saw of Yuri where he was looking really lean, and I go, God, is he opering? Like, I can't even feel what weight he's at anymore, uh, just because I yeah, think he's getting ready for MMA. Right yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not wrong. I'm just remembering off of photos. Plus, uh, you know, I mean, hey, man. Good training partners are going to get you ready for a number of different body types, but I just thought in particular that was very uh, interesting to see how well and quickly you adapted to it. I would like to also ask this. When the match finishes, obviously there's an exciting moment with your arm. You get out. You're very excited. What do you feel like immediately after the fact? Because I feel like that is a huge statement on top of the statement you made with Craig just about a month prior. Yeah, so, I mean, you always, the first thing for me was, was like, believing that I could beat one of these top guys, and um, the first kind of feeling that I had uh, was at ADCC, I had a really good match with Craig, but then after that match, I knew that I could not only just, like, compete with the best guys, but that I could also get wins over the best guys. So every time it's like we're training for one of these big matches, a really well-known guy like Craig or Vinny, and we have a game plan. We train really hard for it. Like the training camps are ridiculous. And then when it happens, like you get your hand raised and it's just like, okay, like we knew, like we knew this, we knew this could happen, did everything we were supposed to do and it worked. Like we got it done. So now it's just, now I believe that I can beat the top guys. And it's just a matter of creating a game plan. And then when the day comes, just performing. That's it. Talk me through this. You know, obviously a lot of people are watching that event. So there's always a lot of excitement as to, I'm sure, 
getting notes or messages. What is the best message that you received as a result of that win? Um, I mean, nothing, nothing in particular stands out. I mean, there's just been, um, I mean, the biggest thing for me always is like talking to my mom back home afterwards, you know, my, my family, that, that means more to me is, uh, just making my family happy. You know what I mean? Like every time one of the, I pass, they always put it up on the big screen and they have a big party and they have people over and, uh, Really, that's what means the most to me is just uh, making them happy. Good on you, man. We didn't get the opportunity to talk about this because, you know, you had that huge win over Craig. But please talk to me a little bit about the submission that you hit on Craig because it rightfully confused so many people until you were able to break it down and they were able to kind of get it bit by bit. Walk us through what your recollection was on what we jokingly refer to on the show as a camel clutch. Yeah, it was just, um, it was just a body triangle locked in, uh, really deep. And I, I had a good angle on it with my hips and I, I have really, most of my weight and my strength comes in my legs. And then there, my legs are also like really flexible for how big they are. So I'm able to just get it at that perfect angle. And then that matched with, um, the grip, I had a gable grip, um, with his, his arm and his neck in. So just the leverage pulling up on his neck and on his chin was able to really stretch his back out. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that's one of those things that would probably break ribs. I I've, I've accidentally like hurt, hurt guys ribs in the training room before. So I think that's what either that or maybe like blow your back out. I'm not sure. But I have, uh, not intentionally, but I have caused a rib injury in the past from that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we firmly established at this point, you have what we have jokingly referred to as dick moves, where you're just kind of like, oh man, he's doing one of those cranks that nobody ever wants to be the guinea pig to figure out if it works or not. Yeah, I mean, in the moment when I was attacking it, I really, I really didn't think he was gonna tap. I, I was just like you said, trying to be a dick. And I mean, we're in there, we're we're scrapping like it's it's war in there, especially with the overtimes. Like it's a scrap, and if I can make you uncomfortable and and cause you some pain and drain a little bit of energy from you, then I mean, you got to do what you got to do to to get the win, you know. I don't think anybody's going to fault you for it. It's just you have no permission to ever do that to me. Like, just under no circumstances will our friendship survive you doing that to me. Like, I've thought about it and I was like, man, I don't even know what I would do in that position. There, there's only tap in that for me. Um, but what I would tell you is between that and I believe what you referred to as a pimp lock, like, for a guy who doesn't know a whole bunch about professional wrestling, you keep hitting professional wrestling moves in these situations. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that after the second Craig match, one of my teammates actually hit that on me in training. I got tapped with that, with just the, the same submission, the body triangle with the seatbelt. 
I would like to say that's fair, but I don't wish that upon anybody. A bit of karma. <laughs> I, like, it's not something that I'm like, you know what, he needs to learn his lesson. I hope he gets it. Um, but what I would tell you is I do applaud you for showing that because it was something that I was able to talk to with my friends. And I was like, yo, you know, this is a consideration. Like, look how much importance you need to put on that hit position because I think you had been telling us that previously before was – how much pressure you put in that position is very difficult for people to get out. So uh, it, it's a true credit to you, man, and, and I'm very pleased and happy for you. So obviously that comes up. I did want to ask you, it already looks like they're starting to make you a date and destination on, it looks like, what is this, Submission Underground 19. What is happening with you on Submission Underground 19, sir? Yeah, so it's December 20th. Um, it's going to be on UFC Fight Pass again. Uh, the opponent that Chael picked out is uh, a judo guy and an MMA fighter. His name is Satoshi Ishii. He's a judo gold medalist. Um, so that I, I had I hadn't heard of him before that, and then I looked into him, and he's got a lot of uh, really good accolades under his name. So um, from Chael's perspective, I think he just wanted to kind of throw a new angle into the whole submission underground, um, you know, the whole, the game, the rule set, see what, what a judo guy could do um, against the jujitsu guy in this rule set. As we all know, it's not like a normal jujitsu rule set. It's like a really individualized, um, it's like its own sport almost. So you throw a judo guy in there. Um, I know that obviously he's going to have good stand up. Um, you might see, you might see a takedown out of me. You might see a throw out of him. Um, judo guys are known for having good arm bars, right? That was Ronda Rousey's thing. She came from a judo background, and she had one of the best arm bars in MMA. So, with the overtime position, you put a, a high-level judo gold medalist in a, starting in an arm bar. Um, if anyone's gonna, right? So, I think it definitely throws a little twist on things. Yeah, Chael's all about mixing the different cultures as much as he can. At a certain point, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets a bear and just goes, let's see what this bear does against Mason Fowler. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we go from that. Um, was that was that the what they were pitching to you that night? Because obviously that's a cool matchup to put up. But what was Chael saying to you that night after you solidify your status as the front runner? of uh the whole franchise of, of submission underground right now man yeah i mean uh i think from his perspective he's just gonna keep throwing different guys at me and and i mean it's kind of the same thing with craig when you had craig he threw Vinny at him he he threw like rumble johnson at him um and then they held the tournament to find like a new challenger for him. And then that's where I came from. So he's always just trying to find different angles to find contenders. Um, so I think that's what they're going to do with me. And it's going to be the same thing. It's I'm going to be able to keep defending against all these wild contenders until who knows, one of them is going to be the new me. And then he's going to do the same thing with them. So that's kind of, that's kind of the system that he has. Uh, pretty cool to see because I just love the fact that, you know, you, you get this opportunity to ride this nice wave of uh, what's going on. So it's a very cool thing. So what does it feel like? And tell me your your interpretation of this 
to go from Submission Underground to then switching everything back. And maybe I misread this, but I looked at your Instagram. And on your Instagram, I believe you were alluding to the fact where you were saying that you don't train a whole bunch. And it says, not bad for only having one day of training. Oh, you yeah, didn't catch so, it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I caught it. Um, so the weird thing about this was the pans was I was competing on Friday and the submission underground was the Sunday before. So I had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I had four days and then Friday's competing again. Um, so Kyle had asked me maybe like three weeks out from pans or maybe a month. Um, if, if I would be down to compete, he wanted me to compete and, um, I said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. He threw, he threw me in cause the registration was already full. He was able to kind of get me in and, uh, I told him I'll, I'm going to do it, but my priority has to be with submission underground because, um, the, the money at submission underground is, is huge for me right now. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, so that's that's what I had to prioritize. Um, so we pretty much did all nogi training, wrestling nogi overtimes, um, and then after sug, I flew back on Monday. He told me to rest Monday, kind of let my body have one day of rest, and then Tuesday I trained in the gi. Uh, woke up at like six a.m. and did like an early training session because of the time difference, and then went home and like took a nap, and then did one more gi training session. So it was one day. We did two separate sessions in one day. And then um, Wednesday, I was flying to Orlando. I wanted to get there at least when we got there Wednesday night. So that way I can adjust a little bit. And then Thursday, just kind of rested again. And then Friday competed. So had one solid day to, to try to get used to the grips. And everyone always talks about how gi jiu-jitsu is a completely different sport. So uh, it definitely is different. But. Um, for one, I was at, at the brown belt level, so it wasn't definitely I would have wanted to do a full training camp if it was competing at the black belt level. Um, but being able to compete at the brown belt level and and still doing a lot of really hard training, Nogi um, was able to translate enough. So at this point, you know me, I do my due diligence. I don't just take anything that's reported from flow grappling as fact because, you know, but I would ask you this. One of the quotations I saw in regard to you was, I'm just here to do what I need to do to get my black belt. Is that an accurate quotation? Yeah. He caught me He caught me in between matches and had a little talk with me, and that's one of the things that – that wasn't an official interview, but, yeah, that definitely came out. I mean, um, that's been the thing uh, with why I haven't gotten promoted yet. And it's no secret, um, you see people out there um, commenting and throwing their two cents in like, oh, well, he should be a black belt. Um, and I understand because I've beaten some of the top ranked black belts in Noki, but um, I've, been a, I've been a brown belt for about two years. I haven't been a brown belt that long. I've had a couple injuries too, so um, I wasn't able to compete in the Worlds. And that's a big thing for Kyle. He wants me to at least have a chance to win Worlds one time. 
before going to black belt because once you're in black belt um that's it you can never go back so he he wants obviously i i want to be wearing a black belt oh anyone who does jujitsu wants to be wearing a black belt that's most that's the reason most of us are all doing it right we want to get to that the black belt it's a big um meaningful thing to be able to wear the black belt um but at the same time for me it's about respecting my professor and um doing what i have to do in order to receive the black belt from him because anyone not anyone i mean anyone can get a black belt right um but it's not anyone can get it from kyle it's it's a big thing to be able to get it from him okay i wasn't sure if we were gonna have to bribe the guy with a lot of candy because i feel like that's something we've talked about numerous times and i don't know how many more of these interviews i can do without calling you a black belt so i'm just saying from my perspective i'm being like look it's eternal brown belt mason fowler he keeps winning shit and you know what am i gonna do as a host so I'm just letting you know on our side what we're seeing. And I do think it, it must be a compliment, though. And other added bonus, you're kind of in and out earlier because that uh, black belt schedule means you're there for usually about two days of competing. Yeah, so if I was a black belt, I wouldn't have... Or I would have been able to do it, yeah, because it was the weekend before. Yeah, so... But, but also, like, it is nice to compete on Friday and then... You know, we were there. We were there all weekend, and then get to go do something fun and kind of have the weekend to to relax. It's different when you're like fighting Saturday, fighting Sunday, and then it's like okay, uh, flight home on Sunday night or whatever. Yeah, I just laughed because once I saw that, I'm just here for my black belt quotation. All I could think about was I was like, leave that man alone. He's in between shit right now, like. He's clearly trying to, like, be in the zone to compete. And, you know, as an interviewer, I know exactly what that quotation is. You know, I have a policy where I just tell fighters, I'm like, I'll see you when I see you. I'm not trying to talk to you in between shit. So when I, like, saw that go up, I was like, look at this clickbait. Look at it. No, it was, it was just big. I, I think it was fine, though. It looked, it, I, I thought it was, it wasn't like, uh, I didn't. I didn't take it as a bad thing because it's, I mean, you see a guy that's uh, a brown belt that's doing, you know, some pretty big things in Nogi and has won some big things in Nogi. And then he's like out there at the pen. When do you see that? Like most of these guys that are making big money with super fights, they, they don't go back and compete in, in IBJJF bands. I mean, maybe worlds, I guess. But, um, you know, you see a guy that's a brown belt that's making good money outside of IBJJF and then he's going back to compete at the pans at brown belt. So I, 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 I kind of liked it. I didn't mind the quote. Fair enough. All right. Let's go through a couple of these while we're talking about good journalism practices. And I will ask you a couple questions because, again, I rated through your, your Instagram. And there's some things I don't know that we've talked about. Number one, uh, I'm going to ask you about this one because, again, I don't remember asking you about it. But tell me your memories about this day and uh, getting to train with one uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah, so um, honestly, the biggest thing with training um, with any of the guys at AKA, um, it's just it. we're playing two separate games because they're training for MMA grappling, right? So they're not really necessarily worried about passing. Even if you watch Khabib fight, he, he'll stay in 
close guard or half guard and just posture up and throw punches. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's a different game because if I'm, if I'm training with another jujitsu guy, um, you know, he's going to be trying to pass and I'm going to be trying to submit him or, or sweep him. And then say, for instance, if I get you in a near submission, in my head, maybe I'm counting like one advantage, right? And then you go back in my close guard and then I get you in another near submission and then you escape. Then I'm counting, okay, second advantage. And then the round ends. In the MMA fighter's mind, he won the round, right? Because in MMA, if you're on top the whole round, you're winning. But then in my mind, I won the round because I got two advantages. So it's just, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, tra- it can be good training, um, but we're playing two different games. It just seemed like such a great opportunity. And I mean, I'm sure that that is also just one of those things that you kind of assemble in this great journey that is jujitsu that you just get that experience. Cause not everybody uh, gets that opportunity to kind of get that firsthand experience and ask questions or kind of go over things, but that has to be pretty cool. I do. I've studied his game a lot and, um, I do use a lot of his techniques more, more so in like the cage work. I think that's the biggest thing that can relate for me um, doing submission on the ground with the cage. Good on you. All right. We got a couple more of these things to go over. And this one is confusing to me because I was wondering at what point did you recognize that your cousin as at like a seminar or a class that you're teaching and then you just kind of go like, oh, do you walk over to him and do you say, hey, did you get this move? Oh, by the way, I remember you from Christmas. Does he look at you and say, oh, hey, dude, what's up? By the way, you may recognize me from like, how does this happen? OK, so this really this what the full story wasn't in the post. Right. But um, this started, I, I want to say, a year ago. He, he uh, DM'd me, I think, on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and we kind of just, like, reconnected over, like, Messenger a couple times. We, like, shot a couple messages back and forth. And um, he told me that he, like, was an amateur MMA fighter. He had done a couple fights. And he's, like, training some jiu-jitsu. And, you know, we just talked a little bit. And then I didn't really hear from, from him for a while. And then... Um, it turns out that just recently, I actually found this out at the seminar that he's now he's a member of uh, Denny Prokopos's gym in San Francisco, which is a CTA affiliate. Um, and he actually did come by CTA um, the weekend I was at Pan, so I didn't get to train with him or anything. But yeah, he like lives in the area now. Um, it's crazy. So he he's the nephew of my mom's ex-husband so it was my stepdad that's his nephew so like he was over at our house all the time and we were actually like really close when we were younger like like fifth or sixth grade he used to always like come over and like do sleepovers and all that stuff because he was part of the family and then when they got divorced i like you know you know how life is you just kind of fall off you know you don't hear from each other for a while so then yeah I I had talked to him maybe like a year ago a little bit and then um when I posted the seminar he messaged me 
that he he wanted to come and then when he showed up that was like the first time i had seen him in person in like 10 years dude that's so cool because i can tell you man my uh my little cousin you know we saw we ran into each other at like his sister's wedding and we were shooting the shit and he was just like dude i see you doing all this interview stuff and all this like mma and jiu-jitsu stuff and you know i put an invite i was like well you should come train and he was like i will come train that weekend next thing you know he's out there so it's like it's very weird to explain to people how you cannot see people for years they are your family but then there's something extra special about getting the opportunity to train because it's something that you specialize in now so when i saw you put up that post i was like that actually resonates really heavily with me and, and, and in my experience. And I, I couldn't be happier that that's the case for you, man, that you get to reconnect after all those years. Yeah, it was, it was really cool, man. It just, and then also when you, when you like kind of reconnect with someone from the past, there's something in your brain that just like releases all these memories that are stored back there somewhere that you like never think of, you know what I mean? And then, all this stuff like starts coming back. So yeah, it was cool. I just, uh, remembering a lot of the stuff that we did when we were younger. That's so funny. Cause when my cousin came, I immediately went back into older cousin mode and I was like, dude, shut up. He's talking. And he was just like, all oh, right. Yeah. You're the, you're the big cousin. I was like, you might be a little bit bigger than me, but I'll still beat the shit out of you. So calm your shit, you know? So I, I love that, man. I thought that was great. All right. Here's the one that I was waiting for. This is the, the little clip, and you're going to recognize it very quickly because it's very recent. And I want you to tell me why you're so goddamn cold. I want you to listen to this clip and just give me, the, I guess, the why behind it. Here it is. Pop smoke really dead? <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace. Hey, my man Tyler's gonna start a new jiu-jitsu brand. It's gonna be called Very Easy to Submit. <laughs> Mason, why are you so cold, man? What what's up with that, dude? Okay, first off, Tyler walked into the gym. The first thing he had to say to me is, "Hey, man, did you know Pop Smoke died? I don't know. I'm sure. Do you know Pop Smoke? At the I rapper? don't. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know him. I'm sorry." Okay, he died. He died like in February, and uh, his album was released after he died. Like Fifty Cent produced it, and it was like a really good album. And Tyler's like listening to this album all the time. It's like on his playlists. And then he like barely comes to me today and wants to tell me that Pop Smoke's dead. So that's just what started it off. And then I don't know <laughs> where the rest came from. Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, that's copyright infringement because that's my joke. We used to, you know, the very, one of the very first brands to be nice to us was very hard to submit. And I went up to them and when they were giving us stuff, and Guy is the nicest human being in the world, but he gives me this, this rash guard and, and this Guy, and I looked at him and I go, question. And he's like, what is it, man? I go, what if you're not, though? Like, can yeah. I wear this because, you know... And he just, he couldn't stop laughing and we ran into that. I can say that about me. You saying that about some other person in a video, I was just like, oh my God, that's so cold. What's wrong with you, Mason? Yeah, I don't know. Just a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of like joking amongst friends, I guess. 
He was cool with it. He seemed like he was taking it in good stride. He, re- he reposted it on his story, so and he got a he got a couple followers. So I think he was happy about it. <laughs> he got a couple followers. Yep, that's yeah. exactly what I look for when I have self-deprecating humor. That I'm like, you know, if I get like three followers because of this fat joke about myself, it's all worth it. I just know that when I saw that clip go up and I was like, I'm about to interview this man tonight. And I don't know if he knows that I'm going to put this on him later on, because if there's one thing I do know, my friend, it is comedy. And I looked at you and I said, that was pretty well played. I I didn't mind it too much, but I definitely wanted to give you shit about it. Um, Mason, dude, it has been an incredible past. What? It's been a summer run that you've capitalized in numerous ways. We've been there charting it like win after win after win. And Part of the reason why I wanted to do this interview to catch up with you is because, listen, dude, it's so easy for these things to kind of slip away and you just don't really commemorate them. But this is some really cool shit, dude. In the span of a year, I think you should really take stock of what is happening. And even if you're not getting the black belt yet, uh, it just feels like a really cool moment. Are you kind of taking stock of that? Are you having the best time of your life in jiu-jitsu right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I mean, since, since I got here to CTA, I, I told, um, Nick and Kyle that I just want to, I want to try to like rack up as much as I can. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, on, on the older side, you see all these young kids that are blowing up right now that are like 20, 21 years old. I'm 27. So, um, I, I know my time is limited. And so, right now is my, my time where I really have to go after it. I can't, I can't be lazy now. And then in five years decide like, okay, now I want to go for it. Like my, my time's running out. I, I have time, but it's limited. So I really have to put the work in right now. And if I'm going to make something happen, it's going to be now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I've racked up a, a couple more big wins. I'm on a nice, nice little run right now. And uh, just want to keep this going for as long as possible. All, all good things come to an end, right? Um, but that's the beautiful thing about this sport is that this run comes to an end and then maybe you go cold for a couple months and then, you know, you can get hot again and go on another street. You're seeing that like with Cyborg right now. Cyborg's like out of control. He's, I mean, he's late, like late 30s, I think, and, and he's taking out everyone. He's going on an incredible run too. So that's the thing about the sport, man, with, with your mind and, and your confidence, you get one win and then it just kind of keeps snowballing and then you just got to ride the wave. Good for you, man. And like I said, it's just, it's uh, it is fun to watch what is happening with you. And I, I like seeing people uh, kind of give you shit because you, you handle it well. And I think that that is probably the part that nobody really explains when you get everything you want is then you get all these people who have ideas, comments, concerns about what is happening. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you've you navigated that well, especially as shitty as the internet can be. So, um, you know, man, keep doing you, and, and I think you're going to keep getting bigger and better things as you go along. I would like to give you this opportunity right now. Shout out your team. Shout out anybody you'd like to that helped you get to get to where you needed to be, uh, especially within the past couple weeks. Huge win over Benny, a great showing over at Pans. Uh, the floor is yours, sir. Yeah, I mean, Kyle's the number one guy. He he not only, like, uh, controls the training camps, um, 
he he like protects me against myself sometimes like on the days when when i think i know what's best for me he tells me no like this is what you need to do today um so definitely kyle's the man um he's the man behind the scenes and uh and then besides that just like all all my training partners too we have i keep saying this too in interviews we have like five or six guys that are black belts that are really, really good that just haven't had like a big breakout performance yet um, that are in there, like just grinding every day. And I have, I have too, like, I mean, these guys are like my best friends. They're when I'm in camp, they're in camp with me. And uh, I mean, I have guys that are studying my opponents and like emulating their game for me. Um, Just, you know, being there every day. I can't remember the last time I showed up to the gym and I didn't have like good training there. It's always like, Oh God, like everyone's here today. It's going to be like wars today. So, um, we, we have a strong team here and, uh, not, not just myself, but I want, I want to see all these guys out there winning too. So, um, hopefully, hopefully a couple more of these guys have some breakout performances and, uh, hopefully we can start, you know, making some noise as a team. Well, you maybe better than most people know, sometimes that momentum comes when you least expect it and you just got to be ready for it and you just got to kind of ride it. So I'm pretty sure that you giving them that advice to kind of just keep your head down and do the work, it might happen sooner or later than you think. But if you keep at the work, it's more than likely going to happen. I would tell people this. So most people would probably be watching this interview and wondering, why is Raph being so nice to Mason? Well, one, I don't want you to hurt me. But two... I would probably say it, it juxtaposes nicely between the DMs that you and I have, which when I ask you for interviews now, and I, I should be forthcoming, I don't really congratulate you as much as I just say like, yeah, yeah, good job. When the fuck do we talk? So This is literally the last DM after dance, just so the world can know who you really are. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Congrats and shit. When are we talking? <laughs> I was like, all right, man, I'll give you an interview. <laughs> I got you, man. Well, it's because you do the most prima donna thing, which is like, I'm like, hey, man, I want to commemorate for Submission Underground. I got a big season three premiere. I'd love to sneak you in for a few minutes. Not a whole full thing. Just give you a nice little taste. And you go, no, no, no. Let me go to Pans first. I feel like I'm going to do very well there. And then... If I have time, interview guy, I will I will circle back to you. And I was like, motherfucker, you don't make that kind of gesture with me. So I was like, you better fucking win. And when I saw you did well, I was like, all right, we can. Hey, that week, that week in between submission underground. I mean, I had Monday night. <laughs> I was in San Jose, and then like Wednesday morning, I was flying. That week was so crazy. I had to like get my geese printed, and I had to get my haircut, and. You know, there's a lot of things that are more Jesus important. Jesus Christ, Mason. <laughs> really put things in perspective. Done. Yep. So, you know. I'm just, I like to you put. Just, you just have to wait sometimes. I just I like to priority. put it like this to people. If Errol Hawani called you right now, would you make time for him? I would be on Ariel Hawani's podcast with a shitty haircut and without my eyebrows done any day okay. of the week. Okay. So. If you can make time for him and he doesn't give a shit about you, like he's going to pretend to like you for about 20 minutes, but he's not going to know a half guard from a full guard. And yet you get the one guy in jujitsu who goes, I don't know. I'm kind of interested that you won. 
I'm just saying, maybe take five minutes out of a shitty haircut to come back. Now your haircut's fine. I'm not going to make fun of you. But my friend, you are not Ariel Hawani. Prove it. Prove it. Yeah, I want you to... I was I've got a weird nose too, so let's let's be very clear about that. I will tell you this right now. If you think that Ariel Hawani is more interesting than me, then you, my friend, are telling more about your taste than most other people. That's all I mean, I like the guy. He's a highly respected figure. It's just come on. It's fair. You're not even gonna tell the people the most prima donna thing, which is after I made you wait until after pants and three days later you finally got a time slot and i was an hour late listen bro i'm not trying to throw you under the bus completely i like i like stories that make me seem like the villain heel because people kind of know that's the truth host raf is great producer raf not so great i didn't want to say that about you but yes i appreciate you still making time to do it because it shows a commitment to your character and you genuinely did feel bad though the thing I hate about when I guests... I actually did feel really bad. I know. But the thing I hate about that aspect you're bringing up is I love booking guests, but I don't want to be a fucking stalker ex-girlfriend. I do not want to be chasing you and being like, I saw you put up a story. What yeah, the fuck, yeah. man? Like, I'm just like, <laughs> don't turn me into that. I just got a hard out and a hard in. Anyway, I'm done yelling at you. I think... Wonderful things have happened for you. I get out there in the war zone, man. My squad's waiting for me. Are you? You? Why the <laughs> fuck do you keep saying all the worst things possible? You know what? Fuck off, ladies and gentlemen. Mason Fowler. Don't tell me how to do my job. How about you get a submission in the first minute of your fucking submission underground next time, and we can work this faster, ladies and gentlemen. Mason Fowler, everybody. We'll be right back after this. All right, don't go anywhere. After this brief little introduction that we do you are going to see our interview with our friend that is right mercedes white who is talking to us about a really cool competition that is going down and if you know anything about this show you know for sure that we love us some quintet style competition and that is exactly what is happening with her promotion bullpen submissions out in the arizona so take a few minutes if you don't know about that promotion get to know them right now and if you're looking for a place to compete and put together a dream team of your friends to go take on some top tier talent, listen to this interview, find out how you can go compete. And if you're even not competing, hold on, don't go anywhere either. What you can do is you can actually support the athletes themselves. And if you want to find out how, you don't have to be giant, rich, any of those kind of things. You can make small efforts to help your friends in the grappling community. Find out how by listening to this interview right now all right welcome back everybody so here's the thing i don't know if you guys know this but over in the arizona there's a lot of fun stuff that happens and it's one of my favorite places to visit i would love to get back out there sooner than later and i've been intrigued because it seems that as soon as adcc was canceled bullpen submissions decided you know we need to give people an opportunity to go out there we need to make sure that they still have the opportunity to go out there and compete and as a result of that on November 7th, they're going to have a very cool event that I'm excited to talk about because it's, I think, my favorite format of all the formats there is to compete in. So, ladies and gentlemen, here to talk about that, why don't we bring back friend of the show, one, Mercedes White. Mercedes, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. So, Just you gobbled up... practices, so... <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, here's the good news. You are in between practices. 
that means you still got a busy, busy day. I know that for sure. But tell me this, what made you gobble up that date once you saw the ADCC fell by the wayside? Well, because we weren't going to be going out of town anymore. Anthony was supposed to be competing at that event. And we had, you know, made plans to do, you know, the whole thing. So as soon as it was over and no one had anything else to do, we needed to finish out the November date and might as well do it before Thanksgiving. That way people can eat. No one's cutting weight. And I know December 12th, they have Naga and Vegas Worlds. So we'd all plan to do that. So I wanted everybody to be kind of ready to go for December. Excellent. So were you like, how long did it take for you to go, okay, ADCC's out. I'm going to go and make sure that we lock that date in. As Well, I'd already planned on having the quintet style in November or December. We just didn't know when we wanted it because of everybody putting their stuff out already everybody you know getting their weekends planning them so as soon as it was open i knew that the top people i'm not obviously caring about what the blue belts and the white belts and or no offense the purple belts are doing i care about what the people who need to be doing their jobs are doing and with that you know now anthony has a, a job he's not doing so i need to have another high level event Quintet was my favorite format. We just finished an ADCC format on um, just this last weekend. We did the ADCC rule set. Uh, we did all ranks. So we allowed everybody. There was, you know, brown belts, black belts in there. So for, there was a very brave white belt that came in. Uh, but it was fun. But we have to get back to the formats we love. And that's sub only. And that's everybody really, really loves the quintet format. And I think it's exciting. And uh we got to stay busy. I'll let you know that uh, the quintet style is kind of my favorite. And because it inherently builds in the the narrative, the drama, the people get excited about it. There's a, a team vibe because, you know, there's always a team element in jiu-jitsu. But this really, really, I think, uh, gets the teams motivated. So, so far, who do we have involved on that November 7th event? We have four teams confirmed so far. So we hit the first pay bracket. Uh, at Every time we add a team, we add more money to the purse, first of all. Uh, so the first four teams, the first team to come on was Team Havoc. Uh, team Havoc is an interesting mix of people because it's uh, professional fighters. Uh, we got Dion Clash, who's an M1 global vet. He's also a bullpen vet. Uh, Anthony Louie, he's a bullpen vet off of a team's winning event. Um, Ed West. Ed West is a Bellator. He's an MMA vet in, in general, but Ed West was the one who threw the fireball in the cage at Bellator. Uh, super exciting, weird, and unorthodox person. And then uh, Greg Foster and Dylan Liu. So you have brothers on that team. Then you have uh, Team Portland, which is going to be Phil Schwartz, Sam Hardy, Oh my goodness. I just made the poster too. Phil Schwartz, Sam Hardy. Hold on. It's okay. I'm with you on this one. I, I'm trying to remember the, the faces on there. Uh, is Juan coming in on that one? Because I know sometimes he goes with the Portland kids. Yes, with the last name, with the last name G. Bernardo, he always goes mob, but yeah. Yes, Bernardo. Juan Bernardo. And then there's he didn't give me a fifth yet, so I don't know who Phil's fifth is. So that's still up for grabs. Phil's women's team is ridiculous. It's Amanda Lowen, Liz Tracy, the uh, Haley Van and her mom, Jessica. 
which both of them came out and did bullpen before. Haley had one of the fastest submissions of the event. She hit a rolling knee bar against Gina Magui. Um, so with mom and daughter there, Liz Tracy, Amanda Lowen, and then Renee. And Renee's a brown belt and just got back from having a baby. So I know she's going to be ready to rip some heads off. Um, I do have a Henzo team interested. Uh, Trinity did message me the submission on the shore uh, champion to kind of get a feel of who's going to be coming in for the ladies. And then Willie is going to be creating a hooligans female team and his prospects are scary. Um, and Willie's hooligan male team is Anthony Burchek, Quentin Rosenwig, um, Bendy Casimir, Michael Courier, and who's my fifth? Anthony, Bendy, Michael, Adrian Ness. I was about to say, do they need a fifth off of those names right there? I no, mean, but the fifth, a... the, the fifth is the one that always makes my stomach drop <laughs> because I don't know if you watched Adrian Nez compete in person, but he's got this thing that clicks in his eyes when he finally goes that terrifies the fuck out of me. And he is like, to me, he is the cuckoo under the bed that waits for you. So when, when Willie gave me that last name, I was like, fuck. So uh, that was Hooligans. So there's Hooligans, Havoc, Portland, and then Grant's Pass. And then Grant's Pass has PJ Barch, Andrew Alexander, a Kevin Hughes. I only got four from that one as well. So we're still piecing the last two from Grant's Pass and Portland in. And then we have a couple of other teams that are just waiting to get their teams together for their names. Uh, women's team is coming together slowly. They have actually a bounty placed on them by Asgard 503. So Asgard 503 has placed a bounty on the woman's pot for $200. So they've added $200 cash to the woman's final pot. And then Our Life CBD has added $100 cash to the men's pot and then a bunch of products for the winners in general. So right now, that's what is new that we kind of wanted to announce was the pot and the ability to help these athletes generate revenue so that they can travel and compete and do these competitions. That's the thing is that the ADCC tournament isn't just going to evaporate. These guys are still going to need money to eventually go and uh, get those plane tickets or reimburse things that get them to compete at that level. I would like to point this out in case people right. aren't putting this together, which is this. If you really think about it, you're probably not going to get a match with PJ Barch. So if you take this opportunity, you're probably more than likely uh, to get that opportunity than you would trying to do that on your own because he, he is a top tier person. I mean, Quentin Rosenzweig has recently just won the Sapatero as well. So you're talking about high caliber athletes who themselves probably wouldn't be coming back down to just take random super fights off of people who aren't high caliber people as well. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity for athletes who are going out there who want those I'm next glad year. you understand. <laughs> I just think to myself like, yo, I remembered at the Sin City Submission Series that Mike was telling me, he's like, everybody wanted PJ Barch. And I was like, I bet they do. 
I'm sure they do. I'm sure if I was an athlete, I want to test myself against PJ Barch. I, however, am a host. Not really interested in it otherwise. But if I was an athlete, I better be taking those fucking matches against that guy. It's if you want to test yourself and those people that like to jump into the expert division, it's it. I would like to ask this because we'll jump back to the overall competition in just a second that's coming up. What did it feel like to put on an event for people at a time that has been so difficult, like not everybody has gotten back to competition yet. And I know so many people are itching to do it. What did it feel like from the producer side or, or more of the promoter side on what it felt like to give that opportunity back to the athletes? I look at it from a perspective of I see all the guys that I have in-house and we all know how active our guys are and how much they love to compete. I watched it drain on their mental health and wellness during quarantine I watched a lot of people who this was what their day-to-day -day life is and their carrots are gone. So to me, it's coming from a place where I can't stand to see my people being sad without the things that they love. You know, yeah, we're not going to be able to, you know, pay people big things or do, you know, big prizes. But you know what? I'm making belts. Belts are getting made this time. I'm getting the sponsors more involved and going, hey, while your products are great. These guys need more than just products now. They need financial assistance. They need something. But this is their life. And, you know, some people are going back to roofing or doing whatever the fuck that they're doing. But I want to still give, we got to have something. And it's got to be something positive and healthy and something that we look forward to. And all I look forward to every weekend is freaking jujitsu. That's it. Thank you, UFC and, and Fight Pass and stuff to have me to have something to look forward to on the weekends. And this is it. My look forward to on the weekend is beating people up. So I want to choke somebody. Let's go make some money. Let's get a bunch of high level people in one place. Maybe we can end up putting on a summit on Sunday and having all those practitioners do seminars so that they can recoup some investment on their travel. This is what I'm talking about. We're going to create Venmo codes for each team. Each team is going to have their own Venmo code. So you want your team to win? Cool. Send them five or $10. I see all these people betting on subversive and making like three, $400 on amazing bets that they made. Huge, amazing bets. But again, these people are actually paying for themselves to go out there. They're not getting paid to do a lot of these events and they're doing it just for TV time. But a lot of people are collecting checks on these other people's hard work. So with that, now you can go to Venmo and, and, and Venmo team grants pass five or 10 bucks. Cause guess what? That's five people plus a coach going all the way out to Tucson, Arizona to have a chance to compete. So go support your favorite people. And I know there's going to be a lot of 10 on 10 in there and no one believe me. And I'm going to tell you this, our team doesn't care. Team is trying to beat the crap out of each other. As we speak in the room, talking crap to each other, believe that they're all talking shit to each other, but it gets you ready for the other things. It gets you ready for the bigger events so that when you finally do get big brothered somewhere, it's not going to be that bad because you've already been through it. But we need to start supporting each other better and getting it to where we can support these teams to travel to events, support these athletes. You know, it's, it's, I think we all need to come together and start supporting each other, like actually supporting each other. And you know what? You bring up something that I think is really neglected in jiu-jitsu that I haven't really been able to crack the code with in terms of looking at other businesses. So if you look at something like, say, Twitch, do you ever notice that people get tipped from doing absolutely nothing? And that is absurd to me because I look at them and I go, 
we work so much harder. Like our guys are out there killing themselves and yet they can't well, even get a $5 tip from somebody who's watching an event. To this so point, I like, like I understand. And there was a, a, a company called tip a fighter a long time ago. And that, that was okay. And you would go in and you would PayPal the fighter. Like for, they did great for that night and you would do it. But for me, I was like, where's the records? I want to see if who's actually tipping because they were taking a percentage out. So I couldn't see where the percentages were. So I, I couldn't get involved. This is me saying, I don't want your percent. You're a team. Make your Venmo code for your team. Market your Venmo code. Athletes don't know how to get sponsorships and take care and, and, and learn how to fund their, their trips. Ask that mom and pop business down the street. Hey. I'm going out to this event in Arizona. I'm looking for travel and expenses. I can put your logo on my rash guard. This stream will be seen by X, Y, and Z people. But this is not done. People don't know it. I came from MMA, so it's a different background. Jiu-Jitsu wasn't this cool back then. They weren't making this money. They weren't, they didn't, they weren't marketing themselves as well. These guys, uh, Gordon is, is the perfect example of the hybrid MMA jiu-jitsu marketing plan, and he's perfect in that sense. He's, he's just perfect, you know, but this, we need to start, uh, supporting each other. So, you know, each, each team have their own Venmo code. So just know. So each team is going to have their own Venmo code that you see somebody on that team. You're like, fuck yeah, I'm going for that guy. Good. Send him $5, send him five freaking dollars so that they can pay for their travel, their registration or whatever they're eating out here. Fund a beer. Send them $5 for the post-competition beer that they deserve to drink after getting to go against all these amazing people. But we're trying to do something different here. So this is, you know, we're just trying to make it fucking better than what's going on right now. And I'm going to I'm gonna put a wager out there, which is that if you look at these athletes, sometimes they're a little shy or they're a little timid. You know, something happens. But like, watch them turn into "Are you entertained?" when it becomes a cash tip opportunity because it puts that power right back in them. Did you quote "Are you entertained" on purpose or on accident right now? Oh, it's a hundred percent on purpose because the reason being is, listen, I don't understand a ton about necessarily fighting, but I am a showman. So if you put me on in front of a camera and I'm doing either this. Or I'm doing something and you say, hey, you can get tipped if you're very entertaining or fun or you're playing it up. You better believe I will karaoke the fuck out for money. I will do what it takes to get that extra cash. So I like that idea. I think it it is very important for the athletes to take that right. ownership. Why can't we do that during the event? Um, I think that's a fantastic idea. So I'm really in love with what you guys like are putting out there. I like what you're saying, though, like during the event, though. You just got my wheel spinning, and then I got that chance to think about it. I really think that we should make sure that their QR codes are active during the event and make sure that if they do put, like, a freaking ridiculous performance on, that you know to go and let them know that. I think that's fucking awesome. There's no better time than when you get a huge submission to play up to that camera. Oh. Because you only get a few seconds to really connect with an audience. So, yeah, if you do something that is dope, you should get rewarded for being dope. I think it's a pretty simple concept. Yeah. A, you can support your team directly. Mm -hmm. You'll have a Venmo code. You can support them directly. But the other concept is the main pot. The main pot is the thing to 
is if companies, businesses, just random people want to go in on the main pot. So that's what happened with Asgard 503. Asgard 503 just put $200 cash, not to be a sponsor, not to say, hey, I only want to be the only clothing sponsor in this, but to say, hey, I'm, I know that there's going to be other women's clothing sponsors that may want to help support these women, but I'm going to put $200 cash down to these women and support the final pot. So the same with the men. Men and women, if there's any businesses that want to put down on the team, so when whoever wins the whole thing will get that money. Also, when you do receive their donations, the team is going to give you a shout out on social media. That's the other thing. You're going to hear, hey, you know, thanks a lot, Raph. You guys just sent me 50 bucks for Team Grant's pass. You know, huge shout out to Raph. That's what's going to be happening too. Because at the same time, I want you to know that I'm grateful for the support. So all the people that are going into the Venmo for the bullpen submission series final pot, those people will be shouted out via bullpen. All those people that support the individual teams, those team members are going to go ahead and give that shout out of support to that person as well as bullpen. Because we want to just let it all go back and forth of appreciation. Is this going to be the final event that you guys pull off this year? Uh, do you plan to have another before the year's end? Or is this going to be the kind of like final thing that you guys put together? Uh, this is going to be the final for 2020 because we plan to go to Vegas for December 12th. And then I don't want people having to worry about travel before holidays and stuff like that. People need to be spending time with their families. With that said it'll probably be at the be very beginning of January, like the first week that we roll out another event. And what that would also be too is this event determines champions. So I'm going to give a title to each, to, to whichever team wins and they'll come back and defend their title at which point they're the defending champions and they don't, they don't pay to register. They don't, you have to, you have to, you know, they won their spot. They won their championship. So they're there and they'll be there to defend whatever the other teams that come in. And then we'll go from there. But formatting wise, Quintet has just been too much fun. It's been just too much fun not to do it. Absolutely. So maybe if people aren't connecting those dots as well, maybe I can help connect that, which is, Hey dummies, this is like one of the last opportunities to compete this year if it's around you. And if you're looking for a quintet style, it's the only one. So maybe... But also too, people are also about their fantasy dream teams or fantasy football. This is your fantasy jujitsu dream team. You take five of your closest friends and you put them together and make 800 pounds and go, I wonder how long I can not die against PJ Barch and call it a day. <laughs> if I am producing a show, uh, I would 100% call How Long Before I Die with PJ Barch. I'll tell you this. You PJ and I. before PJ kills me. <laughs> well, I would tell you this. But uh, also, too, like, funny things is, like, why I asked you if you said the entertained on purpose is because Ed West used to be Anthony Burchek's former coach. And when we went out to Jackson's MMA for Anthony's fight in New Mexico and Anthony knocked out Matthew Leva. Ed West jumped up on the side of the cage and because New Mexico was the loudest crowd we'd ever experienced in our life, ever. It was scary. 
Ed West jumped up on the side of the cage because you couldn't hear a peep. It sounded like maybe a DQ or something. You didn't know what happened because it was so quiet. And he go- and he screams, are you not entertained? So <laughs> with that being said, Ed West, look him up. Don't fucking sleep on him because that's the guy that's going to put a show on because he doesn't give a fuck about you. Well, I'm excited about that. Mercedes, before we start to wrap things up, can you do me a favor? Can you tell me the yes. best selling point? I mean, the whole thing here has been a convince me to be there. But like, what's something that people don't see perhaps on the stream or don't understand about the atmosphere um, that maybe is that final selling point to getting them to compete with your guys' tournament? And what makes it special? Well, it's special, it's private tournament. So it's the athlete plus a corner only. So it's very intimate, deep. Uh, filming again is very intimate, deep. You have a cameraman like right there around you the whole time because they don't care about the crowd. They don't care about getting in the way of the crowd. It's just you and your cornerman, uh, which has created an interesting dynamic in the room, which is why Willie was able to put together a team that includes Adrian Nez, Michael Courier, and Anthony Burchek. And that's because of a bullpen connection. But you will never get an opportunity to get pro MMA fighters pro jiu-jitsu athletes and just now up and coming athletes to to go against each other in a dual team format and see just who came up with the best team you could have a stunner but if that stunner gets taken off the board and you have four shitheads then what so you know i'm just anxious to see uh really how it goes down and being in the room is the best seat in the house that is truly awesome mercedes i just appreciate how much work that you guys do to put on for your community and i know that this is a weird time for everybody but you propose the best solution in my brain which is to directly impact the small communities around you and to better them off because that is something that you can control and that is something that you can do so i applaud you guys for continuing to put out opportunities for the fighters i cannot wait to watch it it is going to be badass like i've mentioned before you know I love quintet style, so I will definitely be uh, tuning in and, and checking in on you guys. Thank you. All right, before I get you on out of here, can I get you to thank any of the sponsors, any of the people who are helping to make this happen? Because, I'm hey, listen, excited. nobody understands this more than I do. We got to keep those guys happy to make athletes make some money. All right, November 7th, bullpen submission series features five versus five, all ranks, all levels. Registration is $500 per team. That's $100 per member. There is currently four teams in men's and two teams in women's. Women's prize pot is currently at $1,200 for the winning team for the whole team. I would like to thank Asgard503 for putting a bounty on the women's pot and Our Life CBD for putting a bounty on the men's pot and prizes for men and women. If you would like to add a bounty, to these prize pots, please go to Apple Pen Submission Series on Venmo. Send your shout out, send who it's for, and we'll shout you out. If you would like to support the individual teams, we will be sending out their QR codes. Please email me at Mercedes10PTucson at Outlook.com to register your team or message me on Instagram at Bullpen Submission Series or at Mercedes10PTucson on Instagram. Any questions, message me. Let's get this out there, and let's go have some fun, guys.
Mercedes, I thank you so much for showing back up. We'll see you very soon. And we will be right back. All right, that's gonna do it for us here at the Grappling Hour. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling pretty great. The Lakers won this weekend. We had some great interviews. The Lakers won. Kobe, Gigi, come on. That's a great end to a story. I think we all needed that release. Now, granted, Miami Heat, I know, not huge fans of this sentiment, but come on. And props to the NBA bubble for going through with an entire postseason with zero coronavirus cases. I wish we could say the same over an MMA and grappling, but I digress. Anyway, folks, enough of my... Lakers ranting. I just want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in to today's episode. Very glad you could spend a few minutes with us, get to know a little bit about Mason's, uh, you know, he's had a fun few weeks. We'll, we'll call it that. Also finding out about his mustache. And of course, hearing some great opportunities with Mercedes White and what she's got going on over in Arizona. That's going to do it for us here at the Grappling Hour. As always, if you can give us a like, a follow, on all of our social media platforms, we're talking YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at Grappling Hour. And if you go to our Spotify page and our Instagram, nope, 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 Apple Podcast page, sorry. Too many things to plug and give us a five-star review. I promise I will make less mistakes than what I just did right there. Maybe I can't actually put that down. It's entirely possible I'll screw it up again. Anyway. Shut up. I'm doing this in one take, so you're getting what you're getting. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for tuning in today. My name's Rafa Sparza. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Eventually. Is that really a siren? Uh-oh. We probably got another Laker ride going on. All right, let's get out of here.